don't think God asked you to love your cellulite. Cellulite is a symptom and a sign that we live in a fallen world. You do not have to love cellulite. You have to love Jesus. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey friends, welcome to the Compared to You podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore and I am so glad that you're listening today. I am broadcasting live from my minivan. I wanted to hop on quick here today to talk about the topic of self-love. So I talked about this early on in season one, but I have so many new listeners. And so I thought I would just pop on and clarify what my position is on self-love because it may surprise you. So I had the opportunity to participate in a virtual conference earlier today, and I was asked the question about self-esteem. So we're going to start there right? Because I think self-esteem and self-love, they kind of get conjoined, like, you know, all convoluted together. But let's start by talking about self-esteem. So self-esteem is a concept that really started surfacing in the late 70s, all through the 80s into the 90s. It was in the churches, Focus on the Family was talking about it. It was everywhere. Self-esteem was a big deal. It was the thing. Kids needed more self-esteem. That's what you needed if you were a parent trying to raise healthy children. Um, it went beyond the family unit. The state of California actually believed self in self-esteem so much that they thought if they enacted self-esteem curricula in the schools that it would solve all these social ills. So self-esteem training in the schools would help lower the rate of teen suicide, teen pregnancy, drug use, early alcohol use, um, smoking, all of these things that the state recognized as a problem for youths were going to be solved through self-esteem. The concept, and you've probably heard it, the concept is you start to feel better about yourself and then you wouldn't do anything to harm yourself because you think you're awesome. Beyond that, the concept as it comes to body image, in fact, if you Google, how do I fix my body image, you're going to find, oh, I don't know, there used to be 900,000. I don't know if it's that many still, but you're going to find a lot of entries on Google that are going to tell you the same thing. If you want to have a better body image, you need to increase your self-esteem, improve your self-esteem. Now, here's the only problem with that. Well, there's lots of problems with that, actually. Okay, problem number one. Would you like to know what happened in the state of California? Instead of the numbers of depression, suicide, teen pregnancy, drug use, alcohol use, smoking, instead of all those things going down, 
they all went up. In fact, it had the opposite effect because self-esteem preaches that you are awesome. And what happens when you start to believe, I'm awesome, I'm fantastic, I'm the best, I'm the great. Well, there's a couple of things that can happen. First of all, you can become a narcissist. Raise your hand, not if you're driving. <laughs> Raise your hand if you know one, right? These folks, they're a challenge. And a lot of us that have body image issues have boundary issues. And that means that we are prey for the narcissists, okay? Because when you don't have good boundaries, narcissists can come into your life and wreak havoc, okay? And that, that would be a good episode for another day. I'll have to remember that. So self-esteem has led to narcissism. But it's also led to really just the opposite of what was supposed to happen is happening, right? Instead of everyone feeling better about themselves, quite frankly, we're all a bunch of anxious messes, right? And part of that is just this self-induced pressure. When you are told you're awesome, you're fabulous, you can do anything you want to do. You're just the best. You're the greatest. You just need to believe that you're the greatest. Believe you can and you can. When you're told these things outside of the context of God and scripture and finding our worth through Christ, it's all very shallow. And so as you start to process it, as you try to internalize, I'm great, I'm awesome, I can do it, all the things, that's me. And then you fall or you stumble or you wake up one morning, you don't have the energy anymore or you look around, comparison, right? You look around and you're like, I don't know, it kind of feels like everyone's more awesome than I am. Is, was that even true? Was, was mom just lying to me? Like, I, I, don't even, I don't even know if I can believe that anymore. And you don't have a foundation for your self-worth aside from this shallow, I'm just supposed to feel awesome. I'm just supposed to be great. I'm just supposed to remember that I am incredible. It just doesn't work. And so then to take this one step further, actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back because the other thing with self-esteem that's important to recognize is there's a, a survey of college students nationally, freshmen, incoming freshmen every single year. Okay, and it is a survey on self-esteem and it's been going on for like 50 years. So it's been around for a little while. Do you know that students recent in recent years have had higher levels of self-esteem like by far than ever before? But do you know it's also higher levels at college campuses? It's higher levels of depression, anxiety, suicide, eating disorders. It just hasn't worked. And if you're a college student or a recent college grad graduate, I and mean, maybe you even feel this, you were raised with all these mantras, raised thinking self, 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 I'm like, I can do this. And maybe you just feel hopeless under the pressure of that sometimes. I am here to encourage you. It was the wrong message. It really was. If we try to have identity in us, it's shallow. There's no foundation for that, right? It is going to go up and down and up and down. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. And then the best you can do is maybe try to figure out what your average is. Like, okay, if my average good day is like an eight and my average bad day is like a two, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm like a five. Like, like that's, that's not how we establish or figure out our self-worth. And so my encouragement is let's stop talking about self-esteem do the research. It will not take very many Google searches for you to find even secular psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors who are saying, yeah, we really messed up on self-esteem. Now, the crazy thing is, and this is just, I, I don't understand this about our culture, 
magazines and like the pop culture world is still holding on to this term. They are still using it with vigor, self-esteem, self-esteem, self-esteem. And it saddens me when I hear Christians use it, right? Because I feel like we just adopted it from pop culture and we just kind of maybe throw a little bit of Jesus in it, but it's like self-esteem, me and Jesus. And it's just, it's not where we need to go. And I've talked about this before, but our answer, our freedom is in self-forgetfulness. It's not in esteeming, praising ourselves more, worshiping ourselves more, thinking that we're great, right? It's in recognizing, man, I'm not all that awesome. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And not that I live in this, like, I'm a rich, like, I'm a lily. Not that at all. But just having, I would say, a measured understanding of the fact that my greatest worth comes from God alone. And yes, I'm his masterpiece, but he's the artist, right? Like he's the one who created the mountains and the oceans and the beautiful beaches and the beautiful sunsets and all human beings made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, right? I can get excited because I know that the artist who created me is an incredible artist who does awesome work. But if I just try to get excited about myself, again, it leads me right back to a place where I can compare and contrast and I can look at the magazine covers and I can look at the YouTube stars and I can look around and feel like I'm not really very great. So it's about seeing ourselves, not just through God's eyes, but through the lens of scripture, which tells us we are just a part of God's big plan. This world is not about me. This life is not about me. I am just a cog in the system that God created. And thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul and proving to me what I'm worth. Okay, so now to self-love. tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out comparetohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, peace, and rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. So self-esteem, maybe a little different than self-love, right? Self-love. I hear Christians preach this all the time and they use a passage in Matthew, which says we need to love God and then love our neighbors as ourselves. Okay, sounds like the Bible says we need self-love, doesn't it? Love our neighbors as ourselves. Some have gone so far to say you have to have self-love in order to love your neighbor. In fact, there's Christian songs that sing this. So really work on loving yourself so that you can love your neighbor better. I would say that's not an accurate understanding of scripture. There is no place in scripture where there's an out for you if you don't love yourself not to love your neighbor. Okay, that is kind of like taking the premise, the foundation of the command and turning it into a condition for the command. Okay, so you are commanded to love God and love your neighbor. And it is assumed that you already have enough self-love to do that. 
Self-love is assumed in the Bible. Another way we know this, look at Ephesians. Look at the passage where Paul talks to husbands about loving their wives as themselves. Well, I don't think anyone is going to argue that a man can just not love his wife if he has self-esteem or self-worth or self-love issues. No one's going to say, oh, well, the Bible says he has to love his wife if he loves himself. So if he hates himself, he can hate his wife. That is not what Paul is trying to say at all, my friends, right? Like, how does that make any sense? Okay. What Paul is trying to say is, dudes, you already love yourselves. So now I want you to be thinking about your wives as much as you're thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about your own happiness. Think about her happiness. Stop thinking about your own needs. Think about her needs, right? Like, that's an accurate interpretation of that passage. So that's where self-love is mentioned in Ephesians. And then we already talked about where self-love is mentioned in Matthew. In both of those cases, self-love is assumed. It's something we already have. Okay. Now maybe you're still arguing. I don't know, Heather. I think, I think it says we need that. Then my question for you is how much of it do we need? Because I remember, oh friends, I went out on a date with this guy when I was in my twenties. And actually it was a guy I knew in college, but he turned into this pompous I don't know what the word would be. Okay, it's probably not a G-rated word. And we went out to dinner and he would ask me a question about myself. And then, you know, hey, well, do you have an apartment? Or I'd be like, yeah, I have an apartment. Be, oh, it's really small, right? I have a really big apartment. Uh, so do you have a job? Yeah, I've got, I've got a good job. Oh, yeah? Well, I've got a really great job. I'm sure it pays a lot more than you make. It was weirdo, you guys. It was like, okay, are we on a date or is this some sort of like competition, a to show me that you're better than I am. It was the strangest experience, okay? But here's what I know. This guy had a lot of self-love, plenty of it. And so I think you would probably agree with me. That is too much self-love. But then what about the, oh, I hate myself. What about the Eeyores of this world, <laughs> right? The, oh, I just can't look at myself. Oh, I detest myself. And okay, friends, we've all felt that way. I'm mocking it a little bit, but we've all had those days, months, weeks, years, whatever. Okay. But what about the low side? Well, that seems too low, right? How can you love your neighbors as yourself if you're so low, right? So there's too low and there's too high. What's the happy middle? I don't know. I'm hard pressed to figure it out. I don't think that we can say that we can argue you need a certain amount of self-love because we have absolutely no idea what the prescription would be for that amount. We have no idea what amount is correct, right? But, but I do believe that God says we already have it. And I think he says we have enough. And here's another passage I want, to look, want you to look at. In Timothy, we read that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. And friends, every time I hear people talking about self-love, even my Christian sisters in the same space, even, even my great committed Christians whom I love so much and they're doing a great job encouraging women with body image issues, they talk about self-love and I just want to cry because I'm like, no, 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 no. Lovers of self, that's not a good thing in the Bible. I don't want to encourage anyone to have more self-love. I want to encourage you to have more love for Jesus. I want to encourage you to have more love for others. And, you know, we went through this phase a couple years ago. I think it's died down a little bit, but maybe I just don't follow it as much. Body positivity stemmed out of this 
love everything you got and take pictures of your stretch marks and your cellulite and just be proud, proud, proud of your body. And I don't think that there's anything, hear me, I don't think there's anything wrong. If you have a body that you're comfortable with, you feel good about, like there's nothing wrong with that, right? But if you don't, if you're struggling in this arena, Friend, I don't think God's asking you to, to decide to love your cellulite, to look in the mirror and just be like, oh, I love my cellulite. Finally, I love my cellulite. Yay, I'm free from body image issues because I love my cellulite. I think that's a little cray cray. Okay, just just being real. I don't think God asked you to love your cellulite. Cellulite is a, a symptom and a sign that we live in a fallen world. You do not have to love cellulite. You have to love Jesus and you have to love others. Stop trying to love stretch marks. Stop trying to love belly flab. Stop trying to love those bags under your eyes or your forehead wrinkles. No, you don't have to love them, okay? You have to appreciate them, steward them well. Thank God that your body still works. <laughs> but you don't have to fall in love with them. You have to fall in love with Jesus. And your body image freedom will come, my friend, when you do that. When you can sincerely and truly believe that your identity is based in him alone, that what he believes about you, the beauty he sees in you is your true beauty. That is your true worth. And all the different ways that the world defines beauty don't define you because you are defining beauty in a different way, in God's way. That's where the freedom is, my friend. So if you've been looking for self-esteem, if you've been looking for self-worth, if you've been looking for self-love, let me encourage you. God is the best place to find it. And I know that might sound cliche to some of you. I get that. I get that. But I tell you, friend, unless you are in his word and, and knowing him and in relationship with him, it's going to be really hard to believe what he says about you. And if you're spending like two minutes a day getting to know God and spending time with him and spending like, I don't know, six hours a day hearing what social media says you should look like and do and be and what Netflix says you should look like and do and be, there's no, it's just not going to work. There's no competition, right? Six hours of one message and two minutes of another message. Of course, of course, at the end of the day, you're going to feel bad. And then, and then you've got this self-esteem, self-love message. Like, I feel bad. Okay. I just have to love myself more. I just have to, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it. People like me. That was an old Saturday night live skit reference for those of you who are a little younger, but it just doesn't work. My friends, that's, it's not about hyping yourself up, right? It's about self-forgetfulness. It's about taking your eyes off your thighs and focusing them on Jesus. This is what I coach women to do each and every week. I'd love to coach you if, if this is an area you need help in. We also have the Refocus 21 program starting on my website in May, May 17th. So uh, sign up for that or just send me a message if you need more information. But friends, you can be free, but it's not from self-esteem. It's not the self-esteem route. It's not the self-love route. It's the self-forgetfulness route. Well, that's all for today. Don't forget to review this podcast. I would love to have your honest reviews, right? Your encouragement means so much to me. And I'd also love to know what episodes you want to hear. What, what are your questions? I got a question today and I can't wait to answer it on the show. So I hope you'll send me those too. That's all for today. And I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah. 
It's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.